So today we're going to continue a sermon series called The Nine. We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, I think we're five in today, so we're getting there. I hope this sermon series has been extremely helpful. Today we're going to focus on kindness. I think this is a, a very important subject um, we don't think about kindness as much in our culture anymore. Actually, in Boston culture, we might even, I would propose that we ele- elevate rudeness, that that's a value of someone could be, we maybe in modern terms would call it being real. Maybe I, I'm just real. When nine out of ten times that, mo- most of the time, from my experience pastorally, that means that we've adopted a rude lifestyle and the way we talk to people, the way we interact, the way we are on social media. We learn um, rude behaviors and we put them under the umbrella of being real. But I would love the RR family to learn how to be kind like Jesus. I would love that's something that marked our family, the fruit of the Spirit, be kindness. Um, it takes a lot of courage to be kind. It's not an easy, do, uh, easy thing to do uh, in a cruel and broken world. Um, there's a lot of nasty people out there. There's a lot of inconsiderate people out there. There's a lot of selfish people out there. And we're faced with that every day. And sometimes we are the rude, inconsistent, um, inconsiderate, and selfish people. But the remedy for that is the fruit of the Spirit that is kindness that's rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what I really want to get at the heart of today. We've been talking about this prayer each week. And this week on the realm, I'm going to post it because I would love you guys some of you said, I want to memorize that prayer and know that prayer. It's a prayer by John Stott we talked about. And I just want to talk about the last part today, just to keep it at the forefront of our minds. He would say, Holy Spirit, I want the, f- the fruit of yourself to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit as a person of the Trinity, really causing that fruit of the Spirit to ripen in us. So... It's not like we said we're doing kind acts, but we're kind people because we're so overwhelmed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The love of God has permeated our soul so much, and we're continually drenched in it that it causes us to be kind because we think of the grace of God towards us. You know, I want to ask you this. What's the kindest thing that a Christian has ever done for you? The kindest thing that a brother and sister in Christ has ever done for you. How did it make you feel? How did it help you? And what did it teach you about God? I remember one of the kindest things I was thinking with this, about this sermon. When I was 23 years old, I had done three or four years in electrical apprenticeship. Very irresponsible in many ways. God has shown me grace, and I needed a lot of discipline in my life. I needed a lot of maturity in my life. I needed to learn how to get up at 5.30 in the morning, six days a week, to work and labor and do hard things. God's producing discipline in my life. But there were a lot of things I hadn't got in order yet, so I had this old Jetta that a youth pastor gave me. The thing would, like, bump till you got up to 30 miles an hour, and then you you just take off. And finally that thing broke down. So I had no ride back and forth to North Andover. We had a contract with the Gillette factory. I had no ride back and forth. I had gotten that job because a man owned an electrical business in the church, and he gave me a shot. I'm talking, I had no idea what I was doing. I showed up for the first day of this apprenticeship. He knew I wasn't going to be ready. He walked behind me and dropped hand tools in my pocket. 
like the basic pliers and a Phillips head and a flathead just because he wanted to care and be kind. But that's not the thing I want to focus on today. My car broke down and Deacon Gore, I don't think he's in here to get glory right now, but Deacon Gore was a little younger than me and he would legit was uh, doing the same apprenticeship. He would drive from Revere in the morning. I was living in Lynn, pull in the driveway at 5.30 in the morning and he would drive me all the way north Andover with a donkey D's ready for me. You understand me? But even though those kind acts, the major kind act I want to talk about is my boss who gave me the job, he bought a car for me. Cutlass Supreme, that when I started dating Natalie, she was embarrassed. One time she made me park around the corner. Can you believe that over a friend's house? She said, don't park out front, park around the corner, I want to see your car. That ain't right. That just ain't right. Here I am feeling good with the Cutlass Supreme little patch on it like I'm riding. She said, this, just don't let them see it. But Jimmy Raskowski, the owner of Icon Electrical, he took money out of his own pocket so I can continue to be in the will of God and get the discipline I needed, the maturity I needed, the lessons I needed so I could have a car to drive back and forth from work. Now, he didn't have to do that, but he had the courage to treat me kindly and to treat me the way he would want to be treated. And it, it made such a difference in my life. It helped me walk in the will of God. It helped me feel like God had servants, brothers and sisters in Christ, that he, placed, he places in our lives to do kind things to us and for us so we can walk on the path that God has for us. Being and having the fruit of kindness in our life is a powerful thing. And it's something that the Holy Spirit will continue to teach us as a family. Um, there's three things we always talk about, right? Fruit is gradual. Remember that? Gradual growth. If you struggle with being a rude person, you're not going to wake up peaches and cream tomorrow. Now, you might be a little kinder. You might think about that rude thing you said. You might apologize for the abrupt and harsh way you talk to someone. But it's going to take years of service in the grace of God and service unto the Lord and the grace of God and marinating in the gospel to really grow in kindness and the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's something that happens gradually as we stay connected and abide in Christ. I think R.C. Sproul wrote a blog this week that was so good. I think we also have to remember that we're called to walk in the Spirit. Notice it doesn't say run in the Spirit. It doesn't say run in the Spirit. We're called to walk in the Spirit. It's a much slower pace to walk with God. There might be seasons that you run, and that will be very unique, and God will reveal that. But we're called to walk with God. It's a light walk, like in the garden, talking, conversing, changing, receiving God's grace, and growing in Christ. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is it, we want to think of it like a, um, a cluster of fruit, not individual. So when we're abiding in Christ, when we're tied into the vine, I'm growing in love, I'm growing in joy. I'm growing in peace, I'm growing in patience, I'm growing in goodness, and I'm growing in self-control. When you abide in the Holy Spirit, you begin to manifest all those fruits of the Spirit in your life. And that's the goal here, to stay close to Jesus, to commune with the Holy Spirit, and he changes us and makes us more like our Savior, who is the most loving, joyful, peaceful, faithful, gentle Savior you can have. And thirdly, it's all by the gospel of grace. And so this question is asked, does God do the work or do I do the work? And what have we said? Yes and yes. 
It's all grace. God is doing the work. We are his workmanship. But we're also called to be obedient. How will you know that people love God is the question. They keep God's commandments. How do you mark if someone loves God? First John tells us, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's not something that we think that the law is going to somehow put us in a way that is justifies ourselves unto God, but when you love someone, you our relationship with God the Father, when you love God, you obey Him and you want to please Him and you don't want to grieve Him. It's a, a love-born obedience. Listen, we know we're right with God because of the work of Christ. But when you love and treasure God more and more by the grace of God, you learn to walk in His commandments by the spirit of law not by the works of the flesh. And we'll tackle that a little bit later. But it's all the gospel of grace. God is doing a wonderful work in us. So we're going to focus on these three things. What does kindness look like in a Christian's life? Why should we cultivate kindness? Like, the whys are so important with this stuff. Because if we just see them as rules to fall, like, i got to be kind, and we don't see the why, our motivations can get tainted. We need the whys behind being kind. And finally, we'll talk about just how we can cultivate the fruit of kindness in our life. So let's begin here. What does the fruit of kindness look like in a Christian's life? Like, what is kindness? If someone says, what does it mean to be kind? I searched for a definition for this for a few years. Like, we know kindness, right, when someone's kind. Like, we'll say it culturally. Well, that was kind to that person. Well, that person's really kind. But if someone asked us, what is kindness? It'd be like, it's being nice. Right? We wouldn't really know what it is. And I found a wonderful definition from um, a CEO and developer and author, Raina Diorio. And she said, being kind means having the courage to treat others the way you want to be treated. Being kind means having the courage to treat others the way you want to be treated. Now, what's, that brings us to a deeper question, Right? So the question we're asking today, what is spirit-born kindness? What is the fruit of kindness? And this is so important. It's having the courage to treat others the way Christ treats you. That's spirit-born kindness. To have the courage to treat others the way that Christ has and continues to treat you and us. That's spirit-born kindness. That's what we're aiming for here. So let's give some everyday examples. Spirit-born kindness is forgiving a parent when they have sinned against you because Christ regularly forgives our sins. That's kind. Spirit-born kindness is praying for a person, and I'll think about our middle schooler and high schoolers and even people in different jobs. Spirit-born kindness is praying for a person at school that bullies you says hurtful things to you because Christ regularly intercedes for us. That's spirit-born kindness. Here's the third one, a very important one for us as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Spirit-born kindness is showing affection, whether with conversation, a hug, or a handshake, to someone who is regularly rude to you at church. Because we grieve the Holy Spirit many times, but still the kindness in Christ overflows to us. Do you guys see that? 
you don't, we don't treat people kindly based on how they treat us. You can't be kind that way because you're treating people not according to the gospel. It's a merit system. You can't be kind based on how people treat you. You'll have pharisaical kindness, meaning when Jesus was rebuking all those religious leaders, he said, even the Pharisees love those who love them. They're kind to those who are kind to them. They greet those who greet them. But spirit-born kindness is we treat others kindly with courage the way we want to treat it based on the way that Christ has treated us. You know, I remember hearing this story that, I'll just give it briefly because I know you guys have heard it before. This woman finally got the, her dream job in New York. It was a high corporate job. She was put um, in charge of a project. And what basically ended up happening is something went wrong. She didn't prepare well. She lost a bunch of money for the company. It was a total disaster. And she got called into the boss's office. She said, I'm definitely getting fired. She thinks, that's it. And the boss said to her, we're going to take care of all the losses. I'm going to pay for them personally myself. And we're going to keep you here at the job. Now, she couldn't understand this kind of kindness. She's like, I'm in New York. This is tough. It's kill or be killed. Why? Did this man, my boss, give me a pass? And she kept hounding him and saying, why did you not fire me? And he finally said, listen, I'm only telling you this because you keep asking. But I'm a Christian. And Christ paid for all my sins. And so I felt it was my duty to pay for what had been done. It was my way to show Christ to you. She went to church the following week, and I believe she got baptized, but the reason we even know the story is because she told it to the pastor. He never even told anyone. Do you see how that boss treated that person, not based on what they had done, but treated that person with kindness based on what Christ had done for him? See that pattern? That is spirit-born kindness. We want that kind of kindness in our life, don't we? The Spirit of God is growing us in that and will continue to grow us in that. So why should we cultivate the fruit of kindness in our life? In verse 26, this is very important because we want to attach it to the text. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Kindness silences conceit. And kindness crushes envy. Conceit is the ingredients for being rude or what we call real in our culture. Many times interchangeable. I'm rude, I'm real. Okay? Kindness, another ingredient that is rude, is envy. You will be rude to people subconsciously because you'll envy even their competence, their looks, their successes, their material things. We covet sometimes without even knowing it, and it makes us unkind. And we many times will label it under righteous anger, and it has nothing to do with righteousness. and has everything to do with works of the flesh anger that makes us rude towards people. And so let's tackle this first when it comes to conceit. And I'll tell you this little story. I was at Home Depot probably a few months back buying something for the church, a few things for the church, and so we use our um, non-profit card so we don't pay any taxes and the woman was behind the desk and she was ringing it up and she saw that it was Restoration Road. She said, what kind of non-profit is it? I said, it's a Christian church. No, I said, it's a church. She said, what kind of church? I said, a Christian church. She said, no, nah, 
No, it ain't. And I won't say what church he went to or what branch of the Christian church he went to said, we are the true church. And all of a sudden, I'm on the other side of those people who are rude with the gospel. And she legit, I was just buying. I wasn't even because she said, we're going to see on Judgment Day. And I'm thinking, I'm just trying to buy some like painter's tape here. Now, what was her rudeness rooted in? Conceit. She believed. She believed that her church gave her access to heaven and reconciliation with God. She misunderstood the gospel as it matters what church you belong to instead of what savior you believe in. In her conceit and her misunderstanding of the gospel as if it was rooted in a church and a denomination or a branch of the church rather than in Christ himself caused her to be rude to her brother in Christ. Conceit destroys that and that can be anything. Many of us have been guilty of it. I've been guilty of it myself. It's a horrible thing to believe a gospel that's based on merits because it causes you to be rude to other people. Because you will think you are loved by God because you deserve it. And let me tell you, we only loved and right with God and will one day see heaven because Christ has done everything on our behalf and we believe that work. There's a wonderful verse I want to share with you here that destroys conceit, therefore will make you kind. You'll be kinder when you get that the gospel is all grace because you realize that you're just a sinner who's received the grace of God and anyone else, you won't judge them because you'll realize you've been saved from so much sin. It's by God's grace and choice alone that you even stand right before God and you'll begin to be kind. These are the verses. I love these ones. In Ephesians 2, verses 5 through 8, it says, even when we... And please see Christ's work here. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised, he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. And hear this, in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now this end is important for conceit. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. And here's where this conceit is crushed, so that no one may boast. If we get that gospel, we become kind. To believe a conceited gospel is to be rude to others. Secondly, envy. There's no room for envy with this gospel. You know, like I said earlier, a lot of us say harsh and hurtful things because we envy other people's competence, looks, material, things they have. We covet them, and without even knowing it, we think, oh, we're just being real. But no, we are, might be ungrateful for our looks. We might be ungrateful for our confidence. We might be ungrateful for the material things that God's given us and therefore our way to justify who we are 
is to be rude to others. This happened to me, I realized three or four years ago, my heart had drifted in this area towards other ministers and pastors in this area. Because I always had something to say about them. They were all about that consumerism. I couldn't stop myself. I would say they ain't preaching the true gospel. They won't say the hard things. And this is my heart. I'm just telling you my journey. Years and years of my life saying things, being rude, being harsh. They're not doing it real authentic. And Do you know what the, I believe the Holy Spirit revealed to my heart? And what my problem was? I envied them. Because their pews were filled. And because their places looked nicer. And because they were considered kind. And that was a wonderful breakthrough for me when I could finally realize that it was hard things that the Holy Spirit needed to work out. It had nothing to do with them. and had everything to do with me. I envied their competence. I envied their calling. I envied the size of their churches. I envied them. And that led me to be rude and harsh. And what a beautiful thing it was to repent of that and cheer for them now. Now I can be kind. I can be thankful that someone showed up on a snowy day when we had to lose an hour of sleep. Right? I thought about that today. I was saying to Brendan and a few other people, I'm just so thankful for this place and the people in this church. Just see your faces every day. I'm thankful. That causes me to be kind, right? And I want to ask you right now, is there a place you're being rude to people and you're, you're putting it under the other umbrella, but really it is envy? Because the gospel crushes envy because we're all valued equally by God because of the cross of Christ. He loves us equally. He died for us equally. We're all his children, sons and daughters. And the last thing he wants us to do is to be rude with one another. He prayed for unity. He gave his life so we could be unified and encourage each other and be kind and have the courage to treat each other the way he treated us by dying on the cross for us. This is kindness at its heart. So let's talk about how to be kind. And I want to start here with a way because we're always looking for different things that will help us be kind or loving or peaceful. Like, what can I do to be more kind? The first way I'm going to tell you is the way not to be growing kindness. Add in a legalism. And this is a statement at the end of this Galatians 5, 22 and 23 that we haven't talked about much and this is going to be important. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the 362nd time you've heard that in this sermon series. But there's a little phrase towards the end that says, against these things, there is no law. And John Richardson gave a good quote on this that was so helpful to me to understand that. Because that's hard to understand. Against, against these things, there is no law. What does that mean? A way to understand that is to think of it like this. There is no law that is going to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. There is no law that is going to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Have you ever told yourself when you're going to a friend's gathering or family gathering or told your children, just be nice? You set down the law, right? Whatever you do, be nice when you go in there. You even tell yourself, I can't stand these people, but I'm going to be so nice when I get in there. 
right? I am going to be so nice, they're not going to get me. Next thing you know, you've kicked over a table, you've kicked the door out, let's get out of here, right? Because a law is not going to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ and understand the kindness of it that permeates our heart, engaging with the Spirit of God and melting the works of the flesh in our heart is going to cause us to really bear the fruit of kindness because what they were doing in the Galatian churches was they had added something to the gospel and it was circumcision. And I know that's funny to hear in church, but it's in the Bible. There was a party in the church that had said that to be right with God, I'll just try to put it simply, to be right and loved by God and to walk correctly before God you had to be circumcised too. It wasn't just believing the gospel, believe that Jesus died and rose again, but also they added a legalism to it. You've got to be circumcised. There was a whole party. There was fights between apostles about it. There was disagreements about it. See, what they had done is they were trying to add old covenant law because with Abraham, and some of you are learning this in your RR groups, Abraham, what happened was a sign of the covenant between God and the Hebrew people was every male needed to be circumcised as a sign of the covenant, as the token of the covenant, biblically. And they had taken this law that was rooted in old ways, not in the new covenant, and tried to impose it on people in the church. They tried to add to it. And Paul goes as far to say as this is a false gospel. What they're teaching you is a false gospel. And sometimes all the time we hear people try to add things to the gospel, like the gospel plus this. For example, at Home Depot, what happened there? That woman was saying the gospel plus my church equals being right with God. That's a false gospel. How about the gospel plus mode of baptism? You sprinkled them, they were half dunked, they were full dunked, it was in the Jordan, it was at Lake Guanapowit. You think God's going to be up there? Did they go fully under? Miss the head? See ya. It's not happening. Because I watched Sarah's baptism and they didn't get the top of her head. The trough was too small. So if that was the case, Sarah's not getting in. Sarah, you know that you know you're getting in. But those illegalisms we add to it. How about your philosophy of theology, I'm a Calvinist, or I'm Armenian, or I'm a Mullinist, what is it? You think there's going to be a Calvinist corner? There's no boasting up there. It's not happening. You can't add those things to the gospel. Now, those things in themselves, personal convictions, there's nothing wrong with that. But to impose those on others, as that means being right with God, is a false gospel that will not produce the fruit of kindness in our life. Because there is no law you can set, no legalism you can add to your routine that is going to produce the fruit of kindness in your life. How about the gospel minus? And these are lighter. When I grew up, they were trying to take stuff away that the Bible, like the gospel plus you never, you couldn't dance. Right? That's a dancer. They're not getting in. They dance. They have rhythm. These are crazy things. Right? And there's a lot of loving people who love Jesus who minus, and there's a lot of loving people who love Jesus who add, but that's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. You know, and you can go so far, you can make it dietary, the gospel plus no sugar. Danny wants to start a sugar party in this church, no sugar party. Add to the gospel. 
But you guys see how far that can do, take away, and we're adding. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, these legalisms, even though if you don't want to eat sugar, if you don't want to dance, if you want to have a Calvinistic view, that can be a personal conviction. But to add that to the gospel, to be right with God is a false gospel. There's only one gospel under heaven, that the Son of God lived a perfect life. He died an atoning death. He was buried in the ground three days. He rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit, and whoever believes in Christ will have eternal life forevermore. That's one gospel. It's all grace. No man controls that. No church controls that. The Holy Spirit makes men and women alive in Him. And when that happens, your heart becomes kind. There's no boasting. There's no envy. You're just glad that you could be a doorkeeper in the house of God. That I could just see His face. That I could just lift up my words to exalt him that i could just know that he's near and he dwells in me that becomes everything to you and that creates kind people kind sons and daughters of god so that's the first thing we don't want to throw laws in there because laws don't produce the fruit of the spirit only christ does and i want to give you the second thing the fruit of kindness is produced in our life by believing in meditating on and worshiping god because of the gospel. So believing in. Daily, if you rehearse that you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will humble your heart. And when you feel the kindness of Christ in that, that's going to soften your heart towards others. To believe that a kind God. Do you know what the Bible says leads us to repentance? It's not harshness or rudeness. It's kindness leads us to repentance. I think we all proclaim, those who believe in Christ, that Christ has been so kind to us our whole lives. And he continues to be kind. His kindness leads us to repentance. Believing that gospel, that you are saved forever in the hands of a loving father. Believe that, rehearse that daily. Second is the meditate on. Something we're doing today is Christian spirituality. We're gathering as a people to meditate on the gospel. And I want to keep saying this because I want you guys to learn to discern between different things in your own everyday lives. Eastern religion teaches you to empty your mind. It says empty your mind. That's Eastern religion. Christian spirituality, biblical theology, the Christian faith teach you to fill your mind with the right things. You could even say to be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with the Word of God and the truth of God that causes you to be filled with the Spirit. And that's complex, and we need to unpack that, and we don't have the time to unpack that right now. But meditating is not to empty, it's to fill. So we want to fill our minds with the truth of the gospel. Right here as we gather, we're filling our minds, meditating on the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me give you a few ways. The preaching I'm preaching right now, I hope you hear Jesus lifted high. I hope you hear the gospel. It's causing your mind and your heart to be filled with the things of God, with Jesus Christ. We're meditating on that gospel. That's going to make us kind. When we sing songs, right, I pray that our songs, that we do the best we can and we're not perfect, are focused on God and not primarily focused on us. We're not going to be perfect in that, but we're trying to say, 
Let these songs cause our minds and hearts to be filled with the glory of God that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're meditating by singing. When we take communion every week, we're meditating on the work of Christ, right? His body given and his blood shed. To do that deeply and to take that with an honest and genuine heart, that's going to cause you to feel and know the gospel and make you a kinder person. When we give our finances, it's kind to give your finances. Many of you live in week to week. Many of you don't have uh, money for vacation. Many of you are in debt even. For you to give as an act of worship is a kind thing because you believe in a kind gospel. We're meditating on that. God moves our heart and we give in kindness. And finally, when we devote ourselves daily to the scriptures, and I put this on the realm because it was helpful to me, to engage with God's words to, is to engage with God's person. When we're devoting ourselves to the scripture and meditating on that, you will see God do wonders in making you kind because you're abiding in the spirit of God. And when you abide with the spirit of God, he is kind and he will cause you to grow in kindness. And in conclusion, what we're going to do now after this message, and there's a reason we have the message towards the beginning of the service, the way we do kind of our order of service, is because we want people so filled up with this kind gospel that our affections are moved towards God. And the rest of the service, communion, giving, singing, you know, conversing with each other, is all response in worship to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we lift up our voice in song, it's an act of worship. When we hear the preaching of word and we commit and meditate our hearts on that, it's an act of worship. When we take communion, it's an act of worship. These things, you become like what you worship. What you worship, you will become like. What is your greatest treasure? you will start to look like. And when you worship the kindest person ever in existence, Jesus Christ, you will become more kind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your kindness towards us and that it leads us to repentance. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd work in our hearts to weed out the rude places, to weed out, weed out the conceited places, even the places subconsciously, Father, that we don't know that we're envying others and not grateful that with the way you made us. Help us to have the courage to treat others the way that your son Jesus has treated us. We repent for adopting the spirit of the world in harsh, divisive, rude talk towards each other. Please forgive us, Father. We know not what we do in so many ways. Make our hearts kind because of the gospel. Help us to meditate on it, believe it, worship you because of it. We even now, as we sing to you, Lord, and we take communion, we want you to know how much we love you that you are our treasure, 
that you are our everything. We are nothing without you. Let us be filled with your spirit now, Father. I know you are with us and in us. But there's something so mysterious and powerful, but by knowing and feeling the feeling of your presence. And I pray that as we sing to you, as we commit these acts of worship, as we devote our hearts and minds to worshiping you over these next few minutes, that we worship you with everything we are, because you are so worthy, Father. You are so worthy and that you would allow us to love you and to lift our voice to you and to know you and to experience you and to be forgiven and loved. How kind is that? What manner of kindness is this? That you would love us this way, Father. Thank you for hearing our prayer because of your son, Jesus. Amen.